This is going to be part two of our RBR 2020 banking series. And today I'm going to continue the conversation with Simon about omnichannel banking. I'm going to find out if there's any ways banks can better identify customer preferences. And we're also going to touch on how organizations can put a friendly face on virtual customer experience. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of CX Insider. Today we're continuing our conversation on the next generation of branch experience and today I'm joined by Simon and Adam. How are you doing guys? Hey, I'm good. I'm good, thanks very much. Still struggling with broadband providers by the way. Uh, I think actually, actually, interestingly, the first half of this story is on our RBR presentation. So you'll have to listen to that to get what I'm saying in that bit, won't they? So, but, yeah. but the point, but, but, so in a nutshell, this week, by the way, as an update to my headache with broadband providers, the original one, as you know from the RBR presentation, couldn't install. My second provider couldn't give me a date for installation until I finalized the order. And then the original company tried to phone me back and get me in as a customer. But my opening part of the conversation was, I've already found an alternative provider who's installed, but it didn't stop him trying to sell me another connection at home. So, uh, so the plot <laughs> continues with this pain of customer service, by the way. Ideal. Yeah, it's going to go on for another year or two, I reckon. I think. Yeah. Actually, I did Perfect. say that as well. The idea that I'm quite relaxed at the start of all of this, by the way, and I still haven't complained to any of these companies because in my mind, we're in COVID, right? So you've got to give allowances. But as I was on hold for like 45 minutes, this started in April. We're now in November. I mean, That's when do you stop using... supplier, isn't it? Yeah, but when do you stop using that as an excuse? We've known about it for six months now. Come on. I'm being a bit harsh here, I think. You are. You are. It'll get sorted. Hey, Louis. Hey, Sam. Anyway. Hey, guys. <laughs> How are you, Adam? <laughs> I'm good. I've got a funny story as well, but mine's actually more bank related. Um, I'm having problems with trying to get my online banking set up. I won't say which bank. It's to view my online mortgage account. Because when I originally phoned them up and told them, they transposed my date of birth. So the month and day are the one way around. And I phoned up about eight times now, and they don't seem to have the ability to just realize what I'm saying. And because they said it wrong, every time I go to reset passwords, login, it doesn't work. So I just can't use online banking for my mortgage. Just give so up. I think, Louis, how are we? Not very happy, I think. Angry. <laughs> Not very happy customers. <laughs> no, no. We're good. We're good. <laughs> Yeah, that's that, that's okay though. That leads perfectly into the conversation I wanted to to have today. So I wanted to hear your thoughts on the next generation of of customer centric branches, and we mentioned it in a previous episode. So we did, we did. I, I remember hearing my name in the previous uh, podcast as well because I do I do feel like I talk about this all the time, but it is really mm. core to my belief in customer experience everywhere. That that true omnichannel actually. Just to go back to the original story with my broadband provider, the reason that I was on the phone for an hour and a half was just one of the really simple things in life that just annoys me immeasurably was losing connection with the call center and them not phoning you back. So you have to start all over again from the top. Yeah, repeat the whole story again. Oh, that bit, that bit annoys me. So it's not the, it's not the omnichannel things that, that we always talk about, you know, starting a process online and then picking it up in a branch or in a call center. It's actually the super basic things that I can guarantee you, if you mention 
just that comment, I lost connection and had to start again. If you mention that to your friends in a pub or in a restaurant, I guarantee everyone will have the same story kind of recently yeah. from that that poor experience. So, Do you know what the other one is, Simon, as well, which definitely links into this, is not only that, is when someone says, oh, no problem, that's not my department. I'm just going to pass you through to my colleague. And then your colleague takes oh. over the call and you go, oh, hi, Simon, for example. Did your colleague tell you about what this is called about? Oh, no, no, he just put you through. And then you have to go it all over again. It's like, <laughs> what was the point in that? Oh, it's, I think they should have microphones for when I'm on hold so they can pick up the words that I'm saying because that gives a good indication that I'm not happy. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> like an O and a moan sensor. That's it. That's it. Yeah. But, but I, do, I do still believe that that, is that is hugely missing this omni-channel piece and as i mentioned just now about this covid thing but banks and all industries should be making a much bigger effort to get that working now especially when when you know high streets open again you you need to have that omni-channel approach and blend the two together because those customers that are now on digital platforms that are going to wonder how they're going to get back to branches it's safe to walk in what's the flow going to be that's just going to create a new kind of scenario that your customers are going to have to be kind of educated in and made to feel that the process is working and your systems are working you know it's only going to get more important absolutely and obviously physical is going to return after covid as a as a prominent channel but covid itself has introduced a whole bunch of new channels into a lot of people's lives and i wanted to ask you what are the most prominent channels right now simon or adam and how can they be tied together for a frictionless experience? Well, the most prominent ones now are, are definitely call the centre. I think there was, a, there was a high street bank I was talking to last week where just the sheer numbers of customers that have adopted the digital channels or, or call centres has increased massively. As in, I think one of them was quoting around 3 million extra people are using call centres. And the stats that we see there are that those customers are there to stay, aren't they? So I think there's... The standard incumbent channels that, that just people will always go to, but as, as we touch on in, in our RBR session um, uh, next week, is, is, is preparation and adoption of channels that we don't know exist yet. Uh, I won't go into it now because that's what we talk about in, at the RBR session, but this open banking approach is definitely going to create an improvement in customer experiences, but we don't exactly know how just yet. We, we kind of know roughly what it's going to mean, but we don't know what the impact is going to be. So I think we, banks really need to be ready for those channels that are unknown at the moment. And if we can't get to grips with the channels that have existed for the past 15 or 20 years, there's a real uphill struggle for them. Yeah, and I really hope that these new channels aren't going to compromise the face-to-face -face physical branch experience at all. I hope not. I hope not. I think that will change slightly, I think. Well, what with this kind of white label banking, the idea that, you know, other organizations now can resell banks products for them, their focus has to be customer experience. Yeah. You know, to get to get a customer into a, a white label bank to buy another bank's product, you're going to have to have a USP that has to be customer centric to get people in that door. So I really hope you're right, Louis, that 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 face to face should not be compromised ever. Hmm. I, I saw something on uh, your LinkedIn, Adam, which made me chuckle a little bit <laughs> maybe we could uh All right. maybe we could share it yeah yeah sure okay is this um oh this is the post i did the other day is this regarding the lady going into a bank wanting to take out 10 pounds 
I love yeah, that. exactly that. Yeah, a perfect example of a bad face-to-face interaction. Absolutely. And it's also not only that, it's an example of how rules and regulations set by companies and organizations can actually diminish the customer experience unnecessarily. So effectively, mm. for those who haven't read it or heard it before, um, a lady, an older lady goes into a bank. She decides that she wants to withdraw £10 out using her debit card, but from the counter, not from a machine, because she doesn't want to use the machine. The gentleman at the counter effectively says, minimum withdrawal, we can't, we can't do a £10 withdrawal at the counter, you need to go to the machine. She then says, why? Stands there in silence. The guy doesn't really have an answer. He just basically says, you need to use a machine. It's the policy of the bank. She then says, what's the um, maximum I can withdraw? And he said, well, you can withdraw up to £3,000. She then goes, actually, in that case, I'd like to withdraw £3,000, please. He then says, absolutely no problem, gives the lady £3,000. And the lady takes £10 out of that, puts it in a purse, and then goes, can I please pay this £2,990 back in, please? And he says, no problem, obviously with a frown on his face. So fair play to her. She defeats the system. But all that's happened there is she's just going to leave there disgruntled and frustrated. The bank have done an unnecessary amount of work. They've basically done two transactions instead of one. And it's not a very good customer experience. And these are the kind of things where face-to-face is so important. And I agree with Simon on previous podcasts um, and a lot of things that you read that machines are there to deal with transactions, which can be done easily. But you know what? The whole point about having physical presence and real people is it's a, it, they are a customer service channel that you can't achieve via a machine. So utilize them. You know, that older lady in that story didn't know how to or didn't want to use a self-service machine. So just serve her. Don't put that barrier in the way and just keep a happy customer. Um, but yeah, it did make me laugh, that story. And that's, that's, that's almost that basic story there, isn't it, as well? Know your customer. Yeah. They should have known her as an individual, didn't want to use the ATM. Why didn't they know that? Is she, nah. is she not a valuable customer? I mean, know your customer. That's sort of, that's sort of customer service 101, isn't it? You know, A hundred percent. And that's actually why banks as a particular you know, physical presence, they, I hope, will always be there because of that, because customers do have different needs. And you, I know you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but know your customer, know who's walking in. And you've got people in the physical you know, in the physical store, use them. If the lady's bothered to queue to pay the money in or take money out, let her do it. What's the point in letting someone queue to then say, no, actually you've queued unnecessarily, go and stand over there. Because even if there was, say, me in that queue, I ain't going to queue up and then suddenly be sent to a machine. I'm not going to be happy with that. It's actually Isn't happened it? to me in a bank. It's happened, that exact process, that but a, a different version. So I, I bank with a bank where you've got physical branches and then you also have a large online-only presence. And I wanted to withdraw some money, queued up on a lunch break, because let's be honest, it's the only time you can physically generally feel, go into banks, except for the moment. Um, and after my queuing, it was about a queue of about seven or eight people, uh, the lady then said, I'm really sorry, you can't, you can't withdraw from the counter. You need to go back over to that phone over there make a telephone call and then requeue and i'm like what come on what i love about that story though with the little old lady is the is the the ingenuity of people to break the rules i love that most people would look at her and just think okay i'll walk away go to like a robot go to the machine i love some people sit there and think you know what i'm gonna break the system and i'm gonna show you up beat the system i love that fantastic story but but that is all about you know we took we just spoke about channels and how new channels they're not necessarily on new channels it's just that new channels are being utilized 
more than they ever were before. So call centres, like Simon said, they are going to be so busy. I've actually mm. spoken to my bank a few times um, over the last few weeks and you're getting connected to people clearly at home. So that's the telephone's not a new channel, but the way people are connected is new. You know, you're getting connected to people on voice over IP services sitting on their home broadband being part of a call centre environment, even though they're not actually physically in the call centre. So banks are utilising staff in different ways. It's not an, it's not a new channel. It's just been utilised in a more efficient and different way. Yeah, definitely. On the, on the topic of channel shifting, so in relation to the story, the, all the, the different customer service stories that you guys were mentioning about your broadband providers and even the old lady, how can bank staff better identify people and their preferences on their channels? Well, this, this is something that Simon and I are probably both quite passionate about, so I'm sure Si's going to jump in any minute. But video is a channel that you absolutely, if you are a, a bank at the moment, if you're not looking at video as a channel, you're going to get left behind, in my opinion. Um, and if you look at what retailers and banks are doing at the moment, they are already evolving and they're using it as a channel for several reasons. One reason is if you've got a member of, if you've got, sorry, a customer coming into your branch after a service that you do not have the ability to honor there and then, you can by, by video. You know, if you've got a 300 branches and you've got someone who wants to talk about opening up a business new account, but you don't have your new business representative in, in branch at that moment, it doesn't matter. Get them connected on a video to a guy who's in Scotland who knows about that service, or if it's a mortgage advisor, or if it's a current account, or if it's a bond and savings, whatever it is utilize your staff across your whole network of, of, you know, of branches rather than just going, well, let's silo all of our staff and each branch can run on its own. It's not about that. Video can be used to kind of bring everyone together. Um, and that's actually as a person within the branch. But as Simon, I'm sure he's going to talk about now, you can definitely utilize video for people that are sitting in home. I mean, you, you've got opinions on that side, right? I'm sure you have. Yeah, no, exactly. The one thing I love about it, I have started using it recently. I don't use it. In, for, for all service that I need or all channels that I kind of, you know, I, or organizations rather that I want to get in touch with. I always use it for a key phone call where probably I'm half expecting something to go wrong, to be honest, because the video gives me a little bit more of an understanding of the person that I'm talking to. There's a bit more of a rapport there and I can see basically the whites of their eyes when, you, you know, when, when you know a moment is about to come where you're not going to get the service you want. I think it kind of builds a, more of a connection between me and the other person. So personally, I get less angry when I can see the other person. I'm, I'm much more friendly and get to the point. But I do think that, that video 100% connects you, you know, digitally in a way that a call centre and a phone call can't. It definitely. is definitely a huge bridge between branch and call centres that, as you say, has to exist now. I, I can't yeah. see any argument as to why it wouldn't. Everybody has been doing it during lockdown. Generations are being thrown a thousand miles an hour into FaceTime. It is just the normal thing. I can. Well, I, I just with. bought. Um, I don't know if you guys know the product. I just bought a Facebook portal for my other half's nan, who's eighty six. Yeah, yeah oh, she's wow. eighty six, and she is now making video calls via WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger to her family by sitting in a chair. So if an 86-year-old could actually wants to use video and loves it, then, yeah, I mean, I think the barriers of certain demographics aren't going to use video or don't like video. Maybe some people won't, but they're definitely going down 100%. And I really agree with you, Simon. The whole point of video is it, it takes down that – it makes it more human. 
And you're right, when you can see the, the whites of someone's eyes. You can really see that they're trying to help you. And actually, as a customer service agent, as a representative, people are probably less likely to be a pain in the bum to you mm. if they can see you. It's like the whole mm. salesman thing. You know, if you phone someone up as a cold call, People are likely to throw up, uh, not throw up on you, hang up on you, not throw up on you, don't do that. <laughs> hang up on you. But if you go out and did door canvassing or face-to-face, they're less likely to do that. I suppose in a weird way, it's like that. People don't really, the majority of us don't like actually be rude or throw up on each other. <laughs> That's it. And going back, and actually, yeah, don't be sick on your customers. That is don't do that. But, but going back to what we said earlier about, you know, uh, know your customer. With that face-to-face aspect, and then with more of an omni-channel approach, with a a full a full system that manages the entire customer journey and the entire customer ecosystem, means you can do some super basic things which propels you above everybody else. You know, when you make a phone call um, using video, and then the next time I do the same, connect me to the same member of staff would be a huge benefit to me as a customer. Mm. If I was connected to the same person as last time, then that, that customer experience is going up a level, you know, because I, I remember you. Oh, wow, this isn't just a faceless organization pushing me through. I know feasibly with large organizations, that is not a simple thing to do. No, but isn't that a USP of smaller organizations? They always use that, don't they? They're always like, we know you as a customer. We know who you are. So if, you, if a large organization can, can do that, that's going to be huge. I was daydreaming the other day about private banking. I wanted, I just A friend of mine's got a private bank. He, he uses I'm like, what's a private bank and when you when you google it it's all about that customer experience you get a one-to-one account manager that you yeah. speak to because you have to have a net worth of x amount of money so a i didn't qualify which no, is obviously no. but but b that's what they're doing so if they're if they're doing that for high value customers surely that should come to mainstream customers now that i mean okay you can't always connect to the same member of staff but if you can do it most of the time you're then emulating this private banking super VIP approach to what you do. So you're right, Adam, a USP is what you need right now to get customers in a, yeah, you do. In, in a branch into your organization to phone you, contact you. If that's your USP, I would definitely move to you for sure. Yeah. What's interesting is, as you said, it must be quite difficult to implement that in a larger organization, but the systems to facilitate this definitely exist. Yep. Yeah, it's just a matter of implementing it into... The da- all, all of the data exists to do what we've just said. All of the data yeah. exists. Every bank knows the, the work patterns of all of their staff, when they're on, when they're not on, when they're available, when they're not available, what skill sets they've got, what customers they spoke to. The data's there. Just mine it. You know, do you think the biggest know, fear, Simon, then? Sorry to interrupt. Because um, right. you are right. Everything's there. It's, do you think the biggest fear is actually how do you go about getting all that data out and use it efficiently? Because Maybe. if you're... I don't know. I don't know because there's so there must be so many different systems. Um, I can't imagine what it'd be like. I, I think you're like right. That. I think you're right. That that project does sound actually. When we say it on this podcast, it sounds easy, doesn't it? it just connects the customer yeah, with the same member of right? But I can imagine in the head of a bank, there's that. Okay, we've got legacy systems, so that's that's integration. Yeah. We need a platform to sustain that and maintain that and make it available. It does sound like quite a major project. Which data security, be, all of that and as it well. And it shouldn't be. If the data exists, you know what everyone's going through at the moment, like that single view of customer, which has been, I mean, that should have been in place 10 years ago, really, a single view of customer, because bank, banks have always known that legacy systems will always exist. That, that's kind of almost a fact because of the speed at which platforms get replaced or they become kind of business critical 
before you even realize that then you can't replace them very easily. So legacy systems exist, integration exists. But I think that that's when you look, should be looking at platforms that kind of eat that stuff up inherently, like through configuration. Like, you know, when you implement a system, it should, as a core feature now, be able to drop and plug into other systems really, really easily. And then once you've got that, pulling data that exists to manage those members of staff to connect them with agents, it's not a huge thing because you could say the word AI in this and do it in a smart, intelligent way in the background. I know the word AI as well sometimes scares some organizations into it, but, but it's such a super light way of doing it initially, isn't it? To have AI make that decision, when is this agent available to connect it to this customer? You know, and it, it should just all be automated. No one should really see what's going on in the background. The agent, agent should just see that Simon Ronald is phoning again and it, and it should just tell the agent exactly what happened in the last interaction. And I should be told that this, this same agent is going to talk to me. I mean, yeah, I can't see why it isn't kind of just everywhere with every bank at the moment, you know. This new wave of virtual banks then, you know, where you can, as you mentioned, that you can go into a bank and effectively use different bank services from this kind of virtual environment. Do you think that they've actually got a kind of head start on the existing banks? And that sounds crazy, but if the existing banks have got legacy systems and they're in their old ways and they've got these policies like that poor woman that couldn't take the Mm. £10 out, and that, you know, that is a big, big thing. To, that's a big ship to turn, basically, and change. But then these new wave of banks, and even like the digital only banks, do you think they've got a head start on everyone in terms of customer experience because they don't have to deal yeah. with that? Yeah, surely they have to, don't they? Because I think recently we've commented that, that the digital banks, online banks, aren't making a huge – well, they are making a huge impact. What I'm trying to say is I think but, but, but they're trying to take the kind of day-to-day transactions now the customers just think of what you do you don't Mm. need to interact with your bank for the boring old day-to-day stuff anymore that's what they've done and you're right from a technical perspective and capability absolutely fantastic and seamless i think i've signed up to all of them now and i'm so impressed by the process i've signed up to everything apart from private banking because i can't afford it (laughs) yeah and those kind of things yeah that's it. Oh, yeah, yes. and, it, and it records your voice and the patterns of I, your voice. I even had one the other day. I've just changed my mobile device because work gave me a new phone. Thank you very much, work. Um, and changing all your banking apps. Now, you know this side because if you've signed up to all these new banks, you'll have to change them all over. The, the kind of traditional high street bank app, I won't say any banks, you've got to deregister a device. You've got to get verification codes. You've got to, in some cases, make telephone calls. The new ones, I literally just typed my mobile number in, took a selfie. And he went, oh, yeah, that's you. You're in. That's it. Welcome aboard. <laughs> How amazing then, is that? <laughs> it's fantastic. I think open banking is going to do a lot to really push that forward. But, but ultimately, I think you're right. These, these digital banks could, not without much effort, introduce a customer kind of direct customer contact process like a call center. And the technology and the platforms they've got means it's so much easier for them to do it than it is for other banks to move more digital. So, yeah, that is a, that is a thing that should be considered here, a worry yeah. in the background for high street banks, for sure. Definitely. And we are obviously going to speak all about these topics and the systems that can facilitate this channel shifting at RBR. And I wanted to tie this episode up asking you, Simon, what, what was great about RBR last year and what are you looking forward to this year? Uh, I do love RBR. We don't do many events annually anymore but but rbr is definitely one that we will continue to do i think for the foreseeable future really 
Uh, the thing I love about it is all of the organization that goes on in the background to get the right customers, the right people, the right partners into a room because they seem to create such a knowledge sharing environment in the, at the actual event is, is so less kind of sales pitchy and it's so more about sharing experience and knowledge and, and, you know, just talking to the right people and just getting really good connections. And uh, I think it's just a really valuable place for us. And I'm, you know, really looking forward to this year's, albeit slightly different. I mean, the one thing that I'm going to miss, I don't know about you guys, is just a face-to-face event. I want to be face-to-face with people, but I'm good. I'm keen to learn about how it's going to work digitally. I know they've had a lot of success from their Asia uh, virtual um, event so I'm, I'm super keen to find out how this one's going to sit but super looking forward to it as always yeah absolutely so with virtual events and you're right we don't do many as an organization do we in terms of actual events and we've certainly not done many virtual i did a large virtual event last month and it was a three-day event as the day went as the event went on you could see people actually get used to the process day one you could just tell that people weren't going to do the virtual networking. It just didn't happen. You could just tell probably people were cracking on with their emails while watching the presentation in the background, which is really frustrating because I suppose I've been to presentations where you're sitting there watching it and you're so tempted to just get your mobile phone out and have a quick look at your email inbox, but you haven't got the stage and a person on it anymore. So you can just have your inbox open. So that's something that virtual events are going to have to change. But the networking side of it, did get better as the days went on so hopefully it'll be like that straight away at rbr and i know i'm i know i'm 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 a bad one for this as well you know where you've got a virtual event in your calendar but someone wants a meeting you think well I, I can plug it in there because i can do that meeting whilst i've got the virtual event on over here and then you get stuck doing your emails that i think that's one thing that face to face is is just yeah. good to stop i think really yeah but. you wouldn't it's, it's you know what actually to finish this off this actually gives you the prime example of why video is so important because if you're on a telephone call or if you're on something where the other person can't see you how do you know that person's paying full attention but if you you're looking like face a, to you know, face do you know like the x factor where they've got all of the audience on a massive zoom screen oh, so they should have all of us on video so i yeah. know i have to look at the camera look at the screen and pay attention i think you're right the video at this event is what we should do for sure yeah, yeah. we should but there we go Dressed up. Do I have to get dressed up as a? Actually, my friend works for a bank. Shall I put? Shall I, shall I borrow their uniform? The only problem is she's a, she's a girl. <laughs> please don't. And I don't know why I just imagined that, but please don't. You did, didn't you? I did. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> awkward. Amazing. Awkward. Very awkward. Okay, we're running out of time, guys. But it's been great chatting about this. And if anyone is interested in learning more about any of the topics that we've discussed today, then come see us at. RBR Branch Transformation 2020. Uh, visit our virtual exhibit or schedule an appointment with us. And thank you for listening, guys. Thanks for joining Simon and Adam. Thank you very much, Louis, as always. Thank you, very much. Thank you guys. And I'm hoping to see Simon's wacky suit. Which is just a little cheeky. Uh, Simon's wacky suit. It's a little cheeky oh. teaser about what to expect from our presentation. Oh, all right. Okay, fair enough. All right, I'll look yeah, forward to that. Yeah, that's, that's another cliffhanger for the RBR presentation. Good one. Okay, <laughs> all right, interesting. All right, no problem.